0: why making decisions is so difficult. You're listening to Psychology in 10 Minutes. I'm David B. Feldman. Recently, I visited my local grocery store with the express mission of picking up a bag of shredded mozzarella. At first, it seemed like a pretty simple task— But then I was presented with a staggering array of over a hundred options, including numerous choices of mozzarella. Finely shredded, coarsely shredded, somewhere in the middle, part skim, full fat, high moisture, low moisture, in large blocks, in small blocks, not to mention at least two brands of each. Standing there in the cheese aisle, I found myself frozen. Which was the best option? Would one work better for pizza than the others? Should I try to save money or maximize flavor? This phenomenon has a name, decision paralysis. Although the cheese example makes it sound trivial, it's anything but. Decision paralysis can affect virtually any area of our lives in which we enjoy some freedom of choice, whether that's the ability to decide between schools, possible employment paths. Dating partners, or what to do with our hard earned money. At first blush, freedom of choice seems like a really good thing. And it certainly is. The history of the world shows that people are willing to fight and even die to achieve and protect the freedom to determine the course of their lives. And unfortunately, we all know that some people in our society enjoy substantially more choices than others based on factors including socioeconomic status, gender, race and ethnicity, and sexual and affectional orientation, among others. Choice is good, no doubt. We should be glad when we have it, and it would be a more just world if people had it to more equal degrees. But choice can also bring significant stress. As Swarthmore College psychologist Barry Schwartz pointed out in a 2000 article in The American Psychologist, in addition to being profoundly good, choice can be intimidating and sometimes terrifying. After all, if we're responsible for our own choices, that also means we're responsible for our own wrong choices. And regret, as well as fear of future regret, can be paralyzing. As much as we might like to be able to psychically tell the future, unfortunately, we can't. We often can't know until after we've committed an action whether or not it was a good one. That's what philosopher Jean Paul Sartre meant when he wrote, quote, Man is condemned to be free. Unquote. It's an observation that existential philosophers like Sartre, Soren Kierkegaard, Friedrich Nietzsche, and many others have made for centuries. Recently, however, science has supported that observation. In one study, researchers Sheena Ayengar and Amir Kamenika monitored the contributions of more than 50,000 employees in more than 600 organizations in the United States to their voluntary 401k retirement accounts. One of the features of 401k accounts is that employees can choose among different funds in which to invest. But the number of funds offered to employees can differ widely from employer to employer, ranging from only a few options to dozens or more. Happily, the researchers found that, on average, only 10.53% of employees didn't contribute anything to their retirement accounts. But here's the kicker. That probability increased by 2.87 percentage points for every 10 additional funds that employees could choose from in other words the more choices that were available the more likely it was that people would choose nothing at all in another study amos tversky and eldar shafir asked college students to do a thought experiment you can try it right now yourself imagine you're in the market for a cd player or you could update the experiment by thinking about a smartphone or a set of Bluetooth earbuds or whatever you'd like. As you're passing a store in the mall, you notice that a particular popular model is on sale for only $99, a great price. But it has to be purchased right now because the sale is about to end. So what do you do? If you're like the vast majority of participants in the study, you'd buy the player right then and there. Only about a third of participants said they'd defer their decision until later. This makes perfect sense, of course, because the choice seems clear. You want the good deal. Now, imagine that you're in a somewhat different scenario. You're passing by the same store and see the same player on sale for $99. This time, however, you see an even better player from a different brand on sale for $159, an equally amazing price. Do you feel ready to buy one of them? Interestingly, under these conditions, almost half of participants deferred their decision. This kind of decision paralysis tends to happen when people are faced with choices that appear equally good, like in the example that I just gave. Rationally, people should just choose one and be happy. Nonetheless, about half of people get stuck not choosing anything at all. But why does this phenomenon affect some people and not others? In his book, The Paradox of Choice, Barry Schwartz proposes a possible answer. It depends on whether we're a maximizer or a satisficer. Maximizers are those of us who aim to make the very best choices possible. Maximizers invest significant time and effort gathering as much information as humanly possible about their options, often agonizing over which to choose. If you're like me and end up making pros and cons lists for almost every decision in life, including which cheese to buy, you're probably more of a maximizer. Satisficers, in contrast, gather just enough information to make a decision. Once they settle on which option seems to meet their needs, they stop. If you tend to make choices relatively quickly and then don't look back, you're probably more of a satisficer. It's not clear which approach is best, by the way. In an additional study, Iangar and Schwartz, along with their colleague Rachel Wells, followed hundreds of university students as they graduated and looked for employment. Prior to graduating, the researchers gave them a test that quantified their levels of maximizing tendencies. People who scored above the median on that test were dubbed maximizers, and people who scored below the median on the test were dubbed satisficers. A year later, the researchers caught up with the graduates again, inquiring about whether they had found employment, what their starting wages were, and how satisfied they were with their jobs. According to the results, the maximizers had found jobs with 20% higher wages than the satisficers. But the maximizers were also less happy with those jobs and reported more negative feelings in general than the satisficers. It's an intriguing trade-off. Believe it or not, this is what I was thinking about as I was holding two different bags of shredded mozzarella in the grocery store. Yes, I'm totally a psychology nerd. The maximizer in me was tempted to agonize over the decision, to read all the ingredients, examine the calorie counts, and even pull up the two products' ratings on my smartphone. But I reminded myself that life is short. Ultimately, even with the best information I could gather, there's no guaranteeing I'd make the perfect choice. There's an element of chance in life that, despite our best efforts to eliminate, is always present. To fight it often just means making ourselves unhappy. On the other hand, it's likely not a recipe for success to just make a completely random choice without putting any thought into it. The best approach is probably somewhere in the middle. And here's the good news most of us are somewhere in the middle. And if we're not, we can strive to be. In that study of newly graduated job seekers, The researchers were the ones who artificially divided the participants into the categories of maximizers and satisficers. In reality, however, participants fell on a spectrum, with most people sharing some maximizing and some satisficing tendencies. And maybe that's the most important lesson in all of this. It's not an either-or. We can embrace the best of both approaches attempting to seek out the right amount of information to guide our choices, carefully considering our options, but also not going overboard. Ultimately, I'm likely to enjoy either cheese that I were to choose, as long as I don't psych myself out by constantly questioning my choice. Of course, this isn't just a lesson about cheese. Isn't it also a lesson for life? that was psychology in 10 minutes. If you're enjoying the show, particularly if you've listened to more than one episode, consider becoming one of our patrons. You can do so by just making a quick visit to patreon.com slash psychology in 10 minutes. Your three to five dollars a month can make a big difference in the ongoing success of this show. Thanks so much.